Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. And my next guest, I am so excited to have him. Why? Well, economic disaster was averted this week as the major political player in Washington finally agreed on a deal to raise the debt ceiling. But we're no lessons learned after the same type of situation downgraded by the country's credit rating in 2011. Why are our elected officials able to hold negotiations over the nation's financial solvency? One voice we turn to when politics make our brains hurt is David Schultz professor. Hopefully the Hamlin University political science professor can ease our minds. He attempts to do that now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline. How are you, sir? I am doing great and I hope you enjoyed a beautiful day today too. Oh, it was a beautiful day. Just perfect. I must say, sir, that we are really grateful that we have you as part uh, of of the knowledge that we need here in the great state of Minnesota. And when talking about politics, not just politics, but something as important as the debt ceiling, it is absolutely maddening for me to understand why do we keep having challenges with paying the debt ceiling, getting it done? Well, the basic, well, first off, you're right. We shouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, for reasons I'll mention in a second here. But the reason why we're having a problem with it right now, um, or in the last, let's say, 20 years, it all goes back to something we've talked about before, just in an enormous divide that's emerged between the two parties, the polarization. But even more so, I'm going to say at this point, is that, and, I, and, and sometimes you have to call it the way it is, on the Republican side, there are extremists who are willing to hold um, the U.S. credit rating hostage to their agenda. And that's in part um, what I think was driving some of this here. Is think about it, how McCarthy, to get his, Speaker McCarthy, to get his speakership for the uh, Speaker of the House, um, basically had to almost sell his soul to a, a group of very, very conservative people, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Bobbert, people like that, and they're the ones who were driving him driving him to say, um, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. You've got to get commitments on cuts. You've got to do all kinds of stuff like that. So his precarious position was due to the polarization within his party and the extremists on the Republican side. But why do we allow it to happen every year? Okay, so, so this is a great question. Okay, so if we were to go back, let's say approximately let's say 80 years ago, um, we never had votes on the debt ceiling. And it wasn't until in the 1930s um, that Congress passed a law that said that, that we have to have 
Congress authorize um, the debt ceiling. And let us sort of clarify a few different things here, because I think listeners are probably confused. Okay, so we have sort of two or three different concepts. You know, we we can have a debt. We can have a a deficit um, in our spending every year. That's that's one thing that we might have. And then we will have uh, what's called the national debt. That's how much money um, as a country we owe. The debt ceiling is, is related to both of those. So if we keep borrowing money, the amount of debt that we have goes up. Um, and therefore, what the debt ceiling is about is to say, what's the maximum amount of money that we can pay um, or, 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 or that we're obligated to pay? That's the debt ceiling. And it makes no sense. I mean, I mean, I mean imagine you or I said, well, I borrowed a bunch of money. I've already spent it, but I'm not. I'm not going to pay anymore. I've, I've paid enough, or something like that. But anyhow, it wasn't until the 1930s that Congress said there's got to be this thing called a debt ceiling to authorize um, how much money we can borrow to pay for our previous things that we purchased. And we basically, up until probably 20 years ago, never had fights over the debt ceiling. It got to, we got to the ceiling. We just increased it. Just increased it. No big deal. It's really the consequence of the polarization. I'm I'm one of those people, um, and there's a few others out there who say um, either the debt ceiling is unconstitutional, it violates the Fourteenth Amendment, or just just repeal the law because. If Congress has already allocated the money, if we're already told we have to spend it, of course we've got to um, pay it back or we have to pay interest on it. That's the debt ceiling. So then why do we have to have all of these challenges and problems? I am shocked at how it is handled, who we're borrowing from, I am concerned. Isn't it China where we get most of the money to borrow from? We get a lot of money from from China. Um, that's probably the most principal one. I mean, from from some of our allies, of course, like you know, like Great Britain um, and the Netherlands and so forth. But the largest chunk of our debt um, um, is purchased by by China. And this is also, if we go back to, was it like 15 years ago when we had the mortgage crash? You know, when the banks, you know, kind of crashed back then. Um, a lot of the secondary mortgage market, in terms of holding of the mortgage, is also China, and and so. What, and I don't want to get involved in, in China bashing whatsoever. You know, but 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 yes, um, China holds an incredible amount um, of U.S. debt. So we're really in this together. You know, we some people believe this. that China is just you know it's our nemesis. At the same time, we're brothers and sisters at this point. We are, because think of it also, they're also um, one of our, not our biggest, but one of our biggest trading partners. I mean, we're, we're, as consumers, hugely indebted to them for most of the clothing that we wear, a lot of the electronics, for anybody who's probably has a, um, a laptop, uh, many cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, uh, are from China. But in turn, uh, and so, so we're hugely dependent upon them for consumer goods, but they're also hugely dependent upon us. And the reason why that's important to think about here is, as, as you said it re- really well, uh, brother, sister, 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 I'm not sure what the right, right description is, but there ought to be more recognition of the interdependence that we have as two countries and ways of figuring out, given that interdependence economically, how can we work together? But instead, we've, we've turned what ought to be an interdependent relationship into an adversarial relationship. Yes, yes. That's dangerous for us. 
That is truly is dangerous, dangerous for the United States. So here we are yeah. looking at, once again, having to borrow money to pay our debt. We know that this is coming every year. Why are we not prepared for that? Or are we prepared and we just don't know what's really happening to the money? Well, we're, I think the answer is yes and yes to both of what you're asking here, is that there there is a problem. You know, we keep spending more money um, than we take in. Now, we could talk about saying maybe we should increase taxes. Maybe we could talk about cutting spending. Maybe we should probably do a little bit of both or something like that. But the national debt keeps going up because we keep spending more than we take in. In short term, maybe that's okay. Maybe during the pandemic, which did which did inflate, you know, the um, um, our, our national debt. You know, we borrowed a lot of money because we had to get the country through, you know, a pretty serious pandemic. But right. but you just but like in the same way that an average household, you just can't keep spending more than you take in. At some point, you, we need to think about think about how do we you know get our finances back into line. Um, again, emergencies, understand all of us have had to borrow in an emergency when something happens or something like that. But there's a longer term structural problem here regarding, again, um, how much we spend as, as, as a government versus how much we take in. And with it, of course, who do we tax, who do we don't tax and so forth. I did a small piece about two months ago just to sort of put something into perspective here. Um, um, the 10 richest, 10 richest Americans are worth a total of one trillion dollars. That's right. The, yeah, the bottom the bottom fifty percent of the American population doesn't even have one trillion dollars. Um, so, it, but these are individuals such as like you know the Jeff Bezos and stuff like that. They hardly yes. pay anything in taxes. Elon Musk. So, mm-hmm. Right, right. So, so we could have a great conversation about saying maybe we should be taxing more. Maybe we should also be spending less. Maybe we should be figuring out how to live within our means. Maybe we should be figuring out to say that, okay, we know that um, a rainy day is going to come again in a future point. How do we figure out and plan for that? So that's why when you asked those two questions before, um, we, we, we both uh, are as a society, we're not planning well, you know, for our spending. And, and we're not thinking about, um, how, you know, how do we, we think for the future in terms of, you know, expenses that are going to come down the line. Well, how do we plan is automatically what comes to my mind is leadership. Whomever is in power here in the great United States, that's where we're going to find out exactly who we are. Because many of these leaders, some of them are very capable of leading well, mm-hmm. making sure that all Americans get some piece of, of the rock, right? Little, right it could be right. a little piece or a big piece, but they get a piece. Today, we're not seeing that. So many are complaining and saying, why are we not doing solar more? Why aren't we doing this more? Why aren't I getting a bigger piece of this when so-and-so is getting a a bigger piece and that person has a gigantic piece already? We can talk about this over and over and over again, yet we constantly get to the point of the debt ceiling. And I just don't understand why it's necessary. And by the way, can you tell us how Denmark, which is the only other country, that has a debt ceiling, is that correct? Correct. Okay. How do they do it? Do they do the process the same way we do? Um, they have far more political agreement um, on, on basics than, than we do. And, 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 yes, they have a different process in terms of um, how they automatically approve of, of raising their debt ceiling and so forth like that. So it's a very different process, but it's not like ours where we have to do 
um, essentially partisan votes every so often to raise the debt ceiling. I would also point out and say the fact that that Denmark does not have the same problem that we do in terms of consistently um, um, spending more money than they take in. Right. We had a debt ceiling crisis in 2011. And I'm just curious to know if you could share with us what that truly meant to the United States when it came to our bills, what we needed to pay, how we needed to pay it. Well, a couple of things is that we, we got right on the brink. But what happened, two different things. One is that one credit agency downgraded us um, in terms of our credit rating. For anybody who's ever looked at their credit score, it's kind of like sort of the same idea. The most important thing that the United States has is its credit score. The dollar is the is the international currency in which everything, anywhere from from oil to to um, consumer goods, that is the basic currency of the world, and that's part of the United States strength. You start to downgrade, you start to question um, um, the the solvency of the dollar. You dramatically weaken the United States. Now, let's say had we actually um, um, not raised the debt ceiling and ran out of money, essentially defaulted at that point. I mean, the United States would lack authorization to spend money. The most immediate consequences would have been, as I proverbially say, grandma doesn't get her Social Security check. Um, um, Many of the most basic functions in our society um, would would grind to a halt because what? There would not be money to pay um, um, for those debts. And what's important to think about here is is that Congress has already passed an appropriation bill. It has said, we're going to spend money on Social Security. We're going to spend money on Medicare, Medicaid. why we have the debt ceiling makes no sense because Congress has already said we're going to spend the money and to refuse to uh, to raise the debt ceiling is essentially saying, yeah, we decided to spend the money. We're obligated to do it, but we're just not going to do it. Uh, again, when you're expressing a confusion, your confusion is well placed because the way we do it just does not make sense under the current structure. And why is that? Why do we why do others get to do that to us as a country? Boy, that's that, that becomes like the million dollar question here. Again, part of it becomes at this point a lot of posturing. I mean, I knew I was positive we were going to eventually reach an agreement on the debt ceiling. But basically, we had to have um, Biden um, posture. We had to have McCarthy's posture. They had to play to um, the wings of their party to make it seem like I'm out there fighting. I'm doing the best job I can. Um, I'm going to make sure that the other side doesn't get away with something. So a lot of it was just posturing. But because of, again, the polarization that we have and the fringes, you know, that we have developed in American politics, those fringes oftentimes get to drive the center of American politics. Yeah, so that's a real problem. <laughs> so the 1970s before that, yeah, before the 1970s, we didn't have any debt ceiling crises, correct? Correct. Didn't it begin yeah, had- in like 90 something? 90-something was the first time because up until then, it was just automatic um, in terms of approving it. And even, again, trying not to sound partisan, I mean, the debt ceiling was raised, what, two or three times, I think, by the Republicans when Trump was president. I'm forgetting the exact number of times there, you know, but but uh, it's it's. We've, we've never had this problem until, until like, let's say the 21st century when we had to raise it. It was just a non-controversial vote. It wasn't even really covered in the media. I mean, it was, that's how non-controversial it was. Again, it is a product of 
of the the polarization um, that we really have in our society now. And it's the, as I tell people, it's the transformation of American politics where we used to live in a bell curve society. Most voters were in the center. Most votes were in the center. Everybody agreed. We now live in a bimodal world where there are fewer centrists and more people on the extremes, and the extremes get to drive, unfortunately, American politics. So the crisis of debt ceiling that just happened for us in 2023 means that if we don't make sure that it is done, then all of us will suffer. All of us will suffer in some way financially. So what do we have to do to change that? Can we cancel the debt ceiling and just make sure sure that the United States can, will, will absolutely pay their bills no matter what? Yep. Yeah. I mean, think about what the bargain was. It was struck. It's basically said, we're going to suspend the debt ceiling for two years. What would have been the better piece of legislation is just suspend the debt ceiling permanently. That's it. That's it. That's all we have to do. We could pass a law tomorrow that says there is no more authorization required for increasing the debt ceiling. Then it would put the focus on where we should have the focus. We can have a great discussion at that point regarding what? How much are we spending? Um, how much are we taxing? What program should we be funding? Things like that. That's where the focus should be. But we're using the debt ceiling uh, or some people are using the debt ceiling as a hostage for that. But yeah, literally, I was I would have been jumping up and down if the negotiation had said permanently we're getting rid of the debt ceiling requirement or requirement to vote to vote to um, um, increase the debt ceiling um, at any time. Congress could do that. Can we switch it very quickly? Can we literally say if everyone agrees, if the Congress agrees, and they say, okay, no more of this debt ceiling mess. Let's get rid of it. Is it possible to get rid of it for everyone, especially since this Congress particularly is one of the richest Congress we've ever had? Yeah, you could have done it. Okay, where you could have really have done it is last year. Last year, yeah, last year when the Democrats still controlled the House, still contro- controlled the Senate, um, they could have done a vote back then um, through through what's called a reconciliation bill, which which is not subject to a filibuster. Um, the Democrats back, back then could have just said, we are getting rid of the debt ceiling. It could be done anytime you can muster you know, the requisite majorities in the House and the Senate and the president signed. All the stuff we learned in high school. How does a bill become a law? Um, two houses of Congress agree that president signs. That's all it would take to get rid of the debt ceiling. I think every one of us needs a new civic class to take because we've all forgotten. We've all let it go and we have got to stop letting it go. We have got to fight. That's what I say. It has been a pleasure always to talk with you, David Schultz, professor um, of the political science at Hamlin University. You are a remarkable man and we are grateful to have you. So thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure and thank you and thank you to the audience. All right, sir. You take care. Right. Bye. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 